Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Films of Fury. I am your host, the 17% podcasting prince with the most, the one, the only, your host, Sergeant Fury. And today, we're going to be talking about the king, the king of the kaiju, the man, the, well, the lizard, the legendary Godzilla, Gojira. Oh my God. And to, to, to do Godzilla justice, I had to call in a partner. I had to call in a tag partner. He is the man behind the Necrocasting Con, my my other podcast, my other other podcast that I do, because, you know, as he called me the other day, I'm a podcasting whore. He is. <laughs> as he's laughing about it, he goes, yeah, you are. You're not getting paid. Fuck you. Tom Clark. Tom, dude, welcome to the show. It has been a long time coming. Yeah, I'm here, Dan. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm having to cut out 28 seconds for Godzilla's Roar. That's so fucking worth it. All right. So, all right, we got Tom, and, and we've been discussing when he's coming on my podcast, and I've been trying to be like, dude, I want it to be a good fucking episode. And what better episode than post-release of Godzilla King of the Monsters this, this past week to have Tom on the show and to talk about the king of monsters himself, Godzilla. And we, we've been bantering back and forth. And yes, that is really his, his ringtone, ladies and gentlemen. He's yeah, not doing it's my, it. actually my wife's ringtone. Uh, see, it's his wife's ringtone. You know what? That's All I have to say is, is that's true love. That's true. It's true love. I so, don't want to miss a text. Oh, F no. Welcome to the podcast, brother. I love yeah, having man. you on. I'm, I'm loving to, to be here on the on the films of Fury. I I know, and it's it's kind of weird because typically he's the one who's like, okay, I I'm calling you at this time and all this other stuff, and this time I'm like, fuck, I have to call Tom. So this is strange. All right, so what we're gonna do is this is gonna be two dudes talking about a 300 plus foot lizard for an hour, and that's that's fucking beautiful because if you guys and girls got the opportunity to see Godzilla King of the Monsters like we did this past weekend on opening weekend. Holy shit, Tom. Now, let me ask you this. Go ahead. For those of you who listen to Films of Fury and also listen to Dan and Nick Casticon with us, we, we, we I said to him, uh, to, to Dan in my review, certain things about this movie. Was I correct in my statements that I made to you, Dan? Dude, not only... Because we're going to dive right into this one, and then we're going to talk about our general love for the King of the Kaiju. Not only was I sitting there in theaters watching this movie and just having all of this... I would call it sensory overload. Because one of the things that you had mentioned is the music when Godzilla surfaces. And then other homages to some of the other uh, Toho films and just toho dude but just monster moment of screen time there is an homage to some other monster movie that has been made in history yep this is a non-stop easter egg basket and the best part about it is is that like i sat there for the two hours and 28 minutes up to the credits the the end credit scene and i just stood there and i was just like or sat there i should say and it was like 
I told my mom and dad when I visited them the other day that literally I sat in front of a giant fucking screen for two and a half hours and watched monsters fight. That's it. You, you, you got the perfect American Godzilla movie right there. And the, yeah, the cool, and the coolest part about it is, is like you mentioned Godzilla's classic music plays when Godzilla shows up and not just once, but like a bunch of times when he shows up, they play that music. So it's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You know, shit's about to go down. But then Mothra's music as sung by the twins in the Mothra movies, it's like they, the twins are there in the movie. The, you just don't realize it till later. Well, the funny part is that you've got the twins. Now the twins in the seventies, the twins in the, in the forties, it's like, they they come from a lineage of twins that are connected to the Mothra. Um, I, what what would you even say it? Species, subspecies, yes. because there has to have been more than one at one point. Because these these twins do the telekinetic, um, you know, fucking what psycho you know psychokinetic i guess you could say psychokinetic talking between mothra themselves and you know the goings on it's like and they're playing the music in the background and i'm just sitting there i'm like holy fuck they're playing mothra's music like jesus christ was it was it awesome and people were talking about the fact that there was no human story to this or critics were like eh, they didn't have a lot of human drama Quite the contrary. I I thought so. I what well, say you? It wasn't called Godzilla, King of the Screenplays, was it? <laughs> was it? Was that the name of the movie? No, no, it was, was not. Was it called Godzilla, King of the Human Interaction? Nope. No, it wasn't. What was it called? Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was called King of the Monsters. What did we get in this movie? We got fucking monsters, dude. Shit, okay, tons of them. And the, and, okay, so let's let's break it down for the people because this is your five second spoiler. Um, you know, heads up, we're gonna be spoiling some shit if you haven't seen Godzilla or if you have seen Godzilla. Fuck it, here's your warning: five, four, three, two, one. All right. So the fact that they pulled a Batman versus Superman intro to this movie kind of made me chuckle. Because if you're a fan of Batman v Superman like I am, then they go back to show you exactly why Batman does not trust Godzilla or why Batman does not trust Superman. It's, you know, during the the first introduction of Superman to the world where he fights Zod and the Kryptonians in Metropolis and the city's getting leveled. Well, they pretty much do the same goddamn thing here where they're showing San Francisco in 2014 getting wrecked by the Mudos and Godzilla, and you're introduced to this couple that works for Monarch, and both of them are experiencing a tragedy at the same time, but one of them is processing it way fucking differently. And it they, they gave you the Batman v Superman treatment, did they not? Yeah. There is a story here. It's... Here's the thing. This is a story that's being told. You have to look at these movies now. Instead of looking at them as complete films, you can't judge these until you see all of them in once because they're a franchise now. The same with the Marvel movies. <clears throat> the Marvel movies, if you look at them, they're, all they are is two-hour-long TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what these are, these Godzilla movies now uh, from Legendary. They are in the Kong. They are 90-minute, two-hour-long 
portions of a story that is being told through them. Um, what I find to be the most interesting thing in here is the mythology that they have built. Um, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot of plausibility to it. It takes a lot of things that we um, already think know and twists it on its head and it does it in a manner that makes you go, wow, yeah. Calling them Titans was the most brilliant fucking thing that they did, Dan. Because it, it goes to Greek mythology. Yes. You, you have. And it even goes back to Norse mythology. Norse mythology. With the giants. Yep. And you also have. Oh, you know, Chinese uh, mythology is brought into it because one of the, the characters who we find out is the daughter of one of the characters in Kong um, is Kong Skull Island. So there's one connection of several to Kong. Um, she describes that in in Western civilization, yes... Uh, dragon is evil dragon shows up and burns places down the dragon destroys meanwhile in in china and in eastern culture the dragon is a sign of luck the dragon is a sign of fortune the dragon is a sign of protection uh you know who does mothra side with exactly mothra people mothra sides with the good too if you think about it is is the epitome of the asian dragon then absolutely and the the thing that really gets me is is you look at Godzilla's representation in this, and the funny part is is whenever they show a dragon like creature, it always and this is something that comes up later in the film. It always has one head. The artwork is always a one headed dragon, which Godzilla is. Counter to Godzilla in this fo- movie is the way that they did Ghidorah and the way they explained why Ghidorah is an anomaly amongst all of these titans opens up so much more that they can do with the Godzilla franchise and actually the 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 you know monster franchise the monsterverse the kaijuverse they can do so much more based on the one simple explanation that they gave for Ghidorah's origin right space yeah yeah and that's all they had to say it's an alien you know, and I loved all the references to John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh my when they're god! In Antarctica. Yep. From Outpost Thirty Two to You Gotta Be Fucking Kidding Me. You know, um, you brilliant. I I saw those moments, and I, like, first off, Ice Cube's son saying "You Gotta Be Fucking Kidding Me" was hilarious. I'm like, yes. I'm like, first off, NWA. Secondly, you you uh you, you guys are dropping a fuck bomb in this film. It's like, all right. Cool. It's PG thirteen. You're allowed one. What is it? It was the best time for it. Yeah, you're allowed one f bomb and and one cunt, right? In PG thirteen. Am I wrong? No, one boob. One, one boob. boob. Okay, so we got one boob and one fuck. And I will say, you're absolutely right. <laughs> they gave it at the best part because it's as Ghidorah is just emerging, and you're like, "Yep." Now, what is up with these fucking monarch soldiers? Uh, they are like the anti red shirts. And this oh. is where I say this. You think they die, but then two scenes later, they're back. Oh, yeah. They don't fucking die. These, they must have gotten, like, the, be- <laughs> the best of the best of the best of the best and then cloned them bitches and made more of the best. Be- one of them's got a shaven waiver. Yeah. Like, you've got, <laughs> you've got, you've got the, the, the full bird colonel, female special forces. So, obviously, things have changed in the near future. Um, like, this year. Uh, you have... 
ungodly amounts of technology, which reminds me of the Godzilla force in the 2000 representation of the Godzilla films, because the G force became a big uh, factor in some of the more recent era Godzilla movies. And it's almost like Monarch has that they, for being a secret organization, like shield was supposed to be, they have their fucking logo everywhere. Like, well, here's the thing. You have to remember, we've watched a transition through three films now of Monarch and how they have gone from the, an X-Files style in the basement, fucking your office is a clo- is a broom closet, to now an organization that has, like you said, special ops, colonels that are female and African-American. In it. Yeah. yeah. With, with unlimited tech, the Argo um flight you know it was a it was a fortress it was essentially a marvel fortress yeah it was an airship and you have these these helicopters that are everywhere and mind you they're they're not using laser rifles or anything they're still using m4s which kind of made me chuckle i'm like you got all this unlimited technology and you bitches can't get a rail gun like <laughs> you you fuckers couldn't call darpa you you the fuck? Everybody uses DARPA. A fucking... We don't have DARPA in this world. We have Monarch. Oh, it... And Doctor... DARPA's in Chris Golden's world. Let oh, him have it. Oh, Jesus. And we have the return of Doc... my favorite character from the first film, Dr. Shirozawa. Who yeah, goes out, you know, in a blaze of glory, taking down Atlantis with him. Oh, my God. And that was something that, you know, you had mentioned in, in the Necrocasticon a couple weeks ago, how Atlantis is in this film. And I sat there... And the funny part is... is I remembered going into the movie because I saw it a couple days after you'd seen it. I remember going into the movie thinking, oh, I wonder how the fuck they're going to bring Atlantis into it. And then I actually caught myself being shocked when I'm like, holy fuck, that's Atlantis. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm like, that's where Godzilla sleeps. it's like this douchebag told me like a week and a half ago that Atlantis is in it. And I'm just sitting here like a little kid, like oh, Atlantis, like this is so <laughs> great. You know what? It looks better than the fucking DC Atlantis. I'll give it that. Oh, uh, less co- less disco, colorful Coke room. Um, I will say that it's less <laughs> Batman, Batman and Robin than than the other one. But it also yeah, ex- that Wonder Woman poster, dude. Oh, dude, yeah, uh, that hurt my I eyes. I don't like it, but I can't look at it. Uh, yeah, it hurts my eyes, doesn't it? It hurts your eyes. I want to put on 3D glasses and see what happens. Oh my god, you, it probably turns into to fucking cheetah. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, the San Diego Comic-Con poster this year is a very liquid metal Wonder Woman 1984 film poster. Oh, my God. It's hard to look at. It It's like someone took as much acid that was tapped from the spine of Ozzy Osbourne Imagine as possible. Imagine if you gave a three-year-old that rainbow sand and told the three-year-old, go to town. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and and Gal Gadot is right in the middle of it, and it's like I I'd like to look at you, but I can't because my soul hurts looking at this poster, which kind of shocks me that Warner Brothers isn't doing anything for for Hall H this year, especially considering all of the lead-ins that they did in this movie for Godzilla vs Kong next summer. Yeah, Do- well, they're not doing a, a DC. Oh, it's not I mean, a DC. They're not doing a Warner Brothers. They're just not doing a DC. Okay, but this is this was written on the wall last year. Um, they had talked about not having a presence last year and they did have a very limited presence last year. I don't even think they fucking showed much at all last year. I think they showed a little bit of Aquaman. That's it. Cause that's all they had ready. Yeah. That, yeah that's all they had. They did. And 
um, the year before that, they almost, you know, made an announcement that they weren't going to sh- show anything there ever again because of the leaks. That yeah. Were coming out of it. Well, I mean, God, I'll tell you right now, fucking, you've got a lot of properties with Warner Brothers. And what kind of made me mad was I saw someone say that Shazam bombed this year. And I'm like, okay, I, I thought it made money, but whatever, I might be wrong. Um, and then they're like, Aquaman was a letdown. And I'm like, okay, it made a billion dollars. I think you're being a little bit douchey. And then they're like, Godzilla was a complete failure. And I'm like, oh, pause. Godzilla was not a failure. Godzilla has made money across the world. It beat Aladdin and Rocket Man this weekend. Okay, th- that's, I hate to say it, that's kind of a big thing when you knock off Elton John and Will Smith at the box office. And the critics may have not liked it, as we have discussed, but then again, the critics are looking for, you know, Academy Award winning actors and all of these performances. And it's like Godzilla gave you exactly what it is. Godzilla is the star of the movie. Every human in that movie is just secondary. So next year when we get Godzilla versus Kong, guess what? We're getting Godzilla versus Kong. This is not about, you know, some professor who's trying to come up with a doomsday device to stop the monsters. I don't fucking care about the moral issues that person is having creating an oxygen bomb the oxygen bomb the oxygen bomb bomb. okay if you are as big a fan as godzilla as we are when i saw that oxygen bomb i was just like oh motherfucker you're doing it it's a throwback to the 54 so many 54 throwbacks in this it was when i saw the fact that they were going to have the oxygen bomb i stopped and i'm like now is this going to eat it away or is this and they explained that it's like it just removes all oxygen from the the two mile radius it killed all the fucking fish two miles deep and whatever was in it you know fucking godzilla dies for a little while but Ghidorah's just like man fuck it i'm good because i'm an alien and i don't need oxygen now, when you found out Ghidorah was an alien, did you kind of sit back and were like, "Are we gonna get, you know?" No. When I saw when I saw that Ghidorah was an alien, I'm like, "What?" Kind? I said to myself, "Okay, I don't think it's Ghidorah's an extraplanetary alien. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I think Ghidorah's an alien in cahoots with the Pacific Rim world." Oh, so you are going with? Okay, see, now we, I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, so They've you're been talking about saving the Pacific Rim franchise by crossing it over with the monster franchise, so they can have mechs versus kaiju, which is essentially um, in the in the newer tellings. Sorry to cut you off. In the newer tellings, that's what Mechagodzilla is. Yeah, it is basically. is a G a G force mech suit for yeah. the Godzilla force to fight fucking Gajira when he shows up. Yep. But you're going full Pacific Rim. I think this is what, what what's well first off what's going to happen in King Kong versus Godzilla. Do we want to even get into that right now? Yeah, let's do it because I I think you and I are going to end up finding ourselves on two different sides here. No, 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 no. Okay, we know what happens at the end of God of Godzilla King of the Monsters where uh Tyrion Lannister <laughs> Tywin Lannister um, cuz that's who he's going to be forever with me. Um, discovers Ghidorah's head water yeah so this is going to lead to a you know we know Ghidorah regenerates so guess what's gonna happen they're bringing Ghidorah back yeah 
Um, and we're going to get Mecha Ghidorah probably. I was just thinking, are they going full Mecha Ghidorah, or do you think he's just going to wait for this thing? Enhance it. Okay. So it's going to start. It's going to be a Batman Superman thing. Mm-hmm. Where it starts out, you know, with all these um, King Kong versus or whoever versus. You're going to have them fight at first, and then they team up to defeat, you know, the the new threat, which is going to be Ghidorah. And I think Kong is going to end up getting killed. See, and I think we're both on the same page with that. And my my thought process is because you have to have a great loss. You have to have um, the great you loss. Have to have your Phil Coulson. It, oh, you had to bring up Agent Coulson, man. I'm trying not to cry on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but you're absolutely have your Gamora. Oh, it's it's not it. Okay, the death of Kong wouldn't matter as much as them killing off Godzilla because first off, Godzilla was the initiator of this. Secondly, he's the only one who so far has been able to defeat Ghidorah, or at least up to this point, defeat Ghidorah. And also, I didn't really feel a connection to Kong when I watched Kong Skull Island. And I mean, maybe it's because Adolf Hitler's favorite movie was King Kong, and I hate Nazis, therefore I have to hate King Kong. Um, no, and- here's the problem with with Kong Skull Island. They didn't get you give you enough drama interaction between Kong and somebody else. Um, that's what makes King Kong work is when you get the drama interaction between Kong and whoever he is with, whether it be Fay Ray or Jessica Lange or Naomi Watts, for example. Yeah. Um, that's what you need. That's what Kong, that was the only thing Kong Skull Island was missing. And I really think that if Kong had, you know, captured Brie Larson and carried her around the, the, the island, the whole fucking movie, it would have been better. See, that's what I thought I was going to get when I saw that Brie Larson was in it. I thought, here's this woman with a camera who's going to be captured by the monkey, and she's going to take pictures of Kong in his natural environment. And she would be essentially what the director was, you know, in the film, where she's recording the natural environment, and then he, you know, creates a a kind of like for her. I didn't realize that they were going to do this, you know, apocalypse now approach to Kong Skull Island. While I liked well, it... Kong Skull Island was very much like King of the Monsters, wherein it was setups for visuals. Mm-hmm. Like when Tom Hiddleston's running through the, the green mist. Yes. That looks like it came right out of a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Kong bursts up out of the ocean and, you know, makes the run-in at the end of the movie and he's throwing the... He's supercharged because of the nukes. Yep. Um, that was made for a poster. Um, Ghidorah standing on the mountain with the cross made as a visual for a poster. Uh-huh. See what I'm getting at here? Yeah. So we're looking at they're, 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 they're building stories, I think, around visuals. So you're, you're in essence saying, here's the artwork. Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. This is just; these are just pretty movies to watch. The beautiful thing about them is you can always tell the monsters apart. It's not like Transformers where you're going, "Huh?" Yes. Who's fighting who? Um, with this, uh, you can tell who's who. That's a beautiful thing, and that's all I care about. Now, getting back to the King of the Monsters, would it have been a better movie if it had a better story? I kind of maybe. Well, I kind of like. Would this. it have made more money? If it had had a better story, maybe. maybe. But let's look at last year, this weekend, was Solo, right? Mm-hmm. 
What does Solo make in its opening weekend? $150 million. Yeah. Okay. The top three movies combined this year did not make $150 million domestically. Yeah. Solo made $150 million domestically. So you have to look at this. We didn't even spend as much money on movies this year on Memorial Day as we did last year. And, you know, maybe it's because we got an oversaturation. Like, uh, you know, let's talk about the fact that while Godzilla was... Is the movie oversaturating the market now? I, I would like to say yeah. And I hate to say yes, but... Okay, uh, we talked about briefly how this has got an Independence Day feel. Because it, yep. I, I remember when I was a kid and I went to the drive-ins to see it's Independence Day. a horrible Day. story Independence Day has. Independence Day has... Uh, it's, it's a badly written Quentin Tarantino science fiction movie in that... You have all of these intersecting stories between all of these different characters. All right, let's look at your main characters. Okay. You have uh, President Whitmore. You have uh, Captain Stephen Hiller. You had David Levinston. You had the the father that um, Randy Quaid was portraying. He wasn't a secondary character. He was a he was a right out there front line character. Um, you know, th- there's four. And then all of the secondary characters wrapped around them and their stories and how you're supposed to care about all of them, like um, Vivica A. Fox being a stripper, you know, and then, you know, you know, Robert, you know, not Robert, uh, who's the the magician, uh, not the magician, Harry Connick Jr. was his buddy there. It's like you had all of this storyline that was just watered down. All you cared about was the aliens showing up and blowing shit up. And that was right. beautiful for Independence Day. And Independence Day was an event movie. Like, it took over yep. that entire summer. It was, I saw it three times in the theater. It was fucking everywhere. It's like, but since that time, you have to look. Uh, we had Endgame. We've had Dumbo. We've had Aladdin. We've, oh, Captain Marvel, Shazam. Um, what other event movies have come out already? Uh, uh Friggin' we have this one. We've had fuck a shit ton already, and it's not even Fourth of July weekend where we have another event movie, Spider Man Far From Home. It's like there's so much when back in the day it used to be one or two big summer blockbusters, if that, depending on what director released it. So I'm not sad that Godzilla didn't make a lot because I think the people that wanted to really see it. We're going to go see it. Yeah, the movie theater I went to see it on uh, Thursday night. Uh, they're at the 7.15 showing in IMAX. Mm-hmm. So I got that oversized poster card. Oh, nice. Did you get one of them? No, I, I went to a regular BTX out here. All right. So I got the really the nice little king-size IMAX poster, uh, ticket poster. Nice. You know, that they give out. Yep. And this theater was probably a quarter full. Well, that was how I felt earlier this year when I went and saw Glass because it was, it was the Friday show, the first Friday showing. Because I remember, because as soon as I got done with the movie, I came to the the podcast to talk about it, and it was the I think it was the six o'clock showing, and I think there was maybe ten people in the theater. And granted, it was number one at the box office, but out here there was ten people in the theater, including me and my girlfriend. To go see it. It was like, holy shit, like, there's no one here, and this movie should be making a lot of money. And it did. It, it made its money back, plus some. 
But I think people just got drained by the time Godzilla came out. And do yeah. do remember, we still have The Lion King this summer, too. Like, that's another one. Lion King and Toy yep. Story 4. So Disney's going to milk you for more fucking money. Yeah, Disney's, Disney's coming out of this hand over fist. Jesus Christ. Yeah, watch out, Warner. Oh, and this weekend is the last of the X-Men movies from 20th Century Fox. Which oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's just briefly leave Godzilla to talk about another fucking mutant disaster. Um, yeah, and a disaster it truly is. So. I don't even know if I'm going to bother with my money. Well, dude, this movie was supposed to come out last year. Mm-hmm. And didn't. And also what was supposed to come out last year was New Mutants. Mm-hmm. And New Mutants, they said they were doing a new take on that. There was going to be a horror take. Yep. Which we were pretty excited about. Okay. Well, now we're... Last year, they said... That the, the, part of the reason I heard that it wasn't coming out was because both movies were awful. And their awfulness and the fact that Fox was going to lose a ton of money on these two films is what the catalyst for the sale to Disney. Yeah. Because we, we all knew Feeling Feige was just waiting. Yeah, Feige knew that he was going to get the X-Men eventually. It just was going to take one or two flops. And unfortunately, the X-Men franchise, as it sits, is is dead in the water. It was dead in the water after Apocalypse. Yep. It was actually, it was dead in the water after Deadpool 1. Because when Deadpool 1 made more money than all of the X-Men movies, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let that sink in for five seconds. You know, like, Deadpool 1 made more than all of the X-Men movies. Yeah. What's that say about your... What's that say about your product? Yeah. And And, and you're absolutely right. The news about that didn't fucking help it any, dude. Like... I heard the rumors last year, and I'm also looking at the TV like, 20th Century Fox is being bought by Disney. Oh, and by the way, these two movies are fucking hot garbage. Well, they won't release them, and instead they're like, no, no, release the movie. Release the movie and and be done with it because we're buying you and we're taking your characters. Oh, by the way, multiverse, bitch. Yep. Which is mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. So, and, okay, so... You're back on Godzilla, because <laughs> we we could shit on the X Men. That's an in fact. I think I'll bring you in for an X Men episode where we, you know, Dan and Tom shit on the X Men franchise. Um, actually, fuck it. That's the next one we're doing. All right. So, one of the things that excited me about Ghidorah coming from space is okay. Does that mean we're gonna get like Space Godzilla and Biolanite, and are we gonna get you know Mecha Godzilla from Planet X? Like, are we getting all of that shit? Because who's to say that an alien um, race? Who's to say that fucking Lannister isn't part of that alien race that we saw in Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, the OG? You know, where they're wearing human suits, but they're really fucking... So he's a reptilian? Yeah, he's a reptilian. <laughs> Why the fuck not, bro? They jo- Okay, if I may Alex Jones this for five seconds. Okay, they already proved the hollow earth theory in this movie. They proved it by saying that Atlantis was in the hollow earth. Now, you take that and you add 
reptilians that come from the hollow earth that used to worship Godzilla because if you look at the statues that were in Atlantis, they were humans holding spears with Godzilla heads. You have a race of Godzilla reptilian aliens that originally brought down King Ghidorah to beat their their overlord. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Nope, I just booked that shit. Okay. Now, what, tell me why that sucks. <laughs> Not that it sucks. It's it's reptilians, and I don't believe in them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but under the under the guise that they are the original Atlanteans, huh? What about no, that? They were wearing helmets. They were, they were they were like you know the Egyptian, but the the instead of the Anubis regular Anubis heads and stuff, they were Godzilla heads. You know, you, thanks for that, dude. Can I just have the reptilians once? Man, fuck you no. guys. You got the hollow earth. Now I can't have reptilians. There's no hollow earth? According to this, there was. There wasn't a hollow earth. They just went down deeper. No, they said the hollow earth. The, the dude with the white hair from Revenge of the Nerds 2 lost his shit when he's like, I told you it's the hollow earth theory. You're going to have to watch it two or three more times because I no, know. I paid attention rather well and uh, I know he said that. I know he said that. He thought that Godzilla went into a hollow tunnel. Yeah, no, well, he went into Atlantis. He went into a temple in Atlantis. So I guess you could say that he went into the earth down there. That is hollow. Air in there, remember? It's a hollow area in the earth that was talked about in Kong Skull Island, hollow earth theory. We're just going to say reptilians because I know it makes your skin crawl that we're talking about the reptilians. Well, no, to me, this, this just brings up Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pelliciter. Um And if you're not familiar with Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pelliciter, you need to be. Uh, Pelliciter is the world in the interior of our earth, um, first written about in, at the earth's core. Hmm. One of his classic books. There's a film of that with David Niven and uh, not David Niven, but uh, Peter Cushing and uh, what's his face there? Uh, his name escapes me at the time here. Now, did this also uh, spurn what would eventually be like stuff like Land of the Lost or Journey to the Center of the Earth? Like yeah. some of that stuff? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs did more than Tarzan. All right. Um, Doug McClure. Doug McClure is in the movie. So you get Doug McClure and, and Peter Cushing uh, going, digging into the center of the earth and, and, and running into dinosaurs and, and huge titans and the um, monsters that they fight down there. Um, that the lead them all are, are like the Skeksis from uh, um, Dark Crystal. Okay. But they're lizard people. Like you want, they're called the Mayhars. All right. Imagine intelligent pterodactyls that have mind control. Oh, take my fucking money. That's that's at the Earth's core's bad guys. Huh? No this shit. This is the race of monsters that rules the you know rules the rules Pelissiter, the world in the center of the Earth. Huh? Yeah. So um, I, it looks like they're incorporating some of that into this too, which makes perfect sense to me. Because of everything else that they're incorporating into the mythology of this Titan verse, so, this monster verse. So, you know, when it comes to mythology, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm pretty good on my Greek, pretty okay on my Robin. Well, when I say mythology here, I'm not talking about traditional mythology. 
Okay, what I'm talking about is the the, the Bible, the the background, the mythology of the movie, mm-hmm. of the movies, and in, the, in this we have, you know, what that is the Genesis, the background of the the Titans themselves, and everything that they're tied into, and you know, like for example, Ghidorah. Everybody feared it so much that it, it lived down through history as the dragons that, you know, come to kill us. Mm-hmm. Just for example. Um, um, what's another good one? Uh, Atlantis. Yep. In this, just for example. How it's taken all this and they've made it part of the world that they've built for us to enjoy. And they're doing a fantastic job of developing that more than they have of the movies they've given us as far as the stories go and uh, too many people cried and moaned and bitched that the first one didn't even have Godzilla in it and now people cried and moaned and bitched that this one had too much Godzilla in it well maybe in the next movie we'll find a happy medium yeah which to me like okay well here's something that I have to ask because you, you just spoke so highly of the way that they've built this universe and as a as a writer and as a movie fan i know you often objectively look at how they're building especially we mentioned you know the marvel cinematic universe where they're 22 movies in they pretty much got their pacing down they know the formulas that work they know where to tweak them warner brothers has got two massive universes that they are either in the process of building or in one case re-rebuilding do you think that Warner Brothers has succeeded in the MonsterVerse in the way that they really should have tried to succeed with the DCEU? Or do you They th- have learned from all their fuck-ups with with the DCEU? Mm-hmm. And they've applied that to this and it's worked. So you think you know when they had the 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 I, I can I even call it backlash? Yeah, I'll call it backlash. When they had the backlash from Man of Steel and the way that that story was told. And then, you know, Batman v Superman came out, obviously, a year after Godzilla. But they watched, God's, you know, Batman v Superman and Godzilla, not Godzilla, Suicide Squad come out and Wonder Woman. And they kind of sat back and they were like, okay, well, if Kong is going to be our next movie, we have to make it completely different than Godzilla. And we have to still incorporate all this stuff. Do you think that was part of when the reason? When Kong was first announced, it wasn't even announced as part of this universe. It was just legendary pictures presenting Kong. Yeah. Kong Skull Island. It wasn't until the movie was hit, close to hitting, that we learned that it was part of the Godzilla-verse. And do you think that was... That was off. Because we learned Monarch was in it. Yeah, and we we had that good surprise where it's like, oh shit, this is all connected. And by taking Kong out and not being like, this is in the series, it didn't hold it to any kind of standard. Right. Like you said, because there were fans that bitched about the amount of screen time Godzilla had and how we saw Godzilla in the in the first one in, in 2014. To, to me, do you think that Warner Brothers can now apply this formula to the DCEU? Fuck the DCEU. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. I really... Okay. I've said this before. Say what you want about the DCEU that Zack Snyder was building. If we had let him finish his story, 
it would have been fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, it would have been really dark. Yes. But that's what he was going for. That was the palette that he started painting when he did Man of Steel. They, they wanted it to be dark so that Batman would be at home in it. So there you go. Yeah. And turns out that the story that he was going to tell is pretty much what the same fundamental story that was told with the Avengers in the Thanos arc. It's a time travel story. So is this one. Or so what it was supposed to be. It was going to be, yeah. yes. And, you know, I I dislike... We're, we're going to stray off into DC. I dislike how people have come to be accepting of shitting on Zack Snyder and the work he's done as far as comic book movies. Because here's here's my uh, opinion on it. Every major sport, sporting team, whatever, has that person who is successful that just everyone fucking hates. In professional wrestling, for a while it was John Cena, and now it's Roman Reigns. You know, in mixed martial arts, there are people who either really love Conor McGregor or they really fucking hate Conor McGregor. Uh, in racing, it was Jeff Gordon for all that long while. You know, it, it, pick a sport, there's that person that everyone just hates. Football, it's Tom Brady and the Patriots. With Zack Snyder, it was like he gave us 300, which was fucking beautiful. It was it was a really beautiful movie when you look at it. Like, from Frank Miller's adaptation to the moment you see it on the screen, it's like, holy fuck, this is, this is some beautiful work. Then Watchmen, which I think was cursed with trying to stick too close to the source material. And, of course, he changed the ending so it actually made fucking sense. I still think Watchmen's probably one of the best comic book movies ever made. I love it. If I, you, I love it so much that I will watch the extended cut with Justin the Black Freighter. Yeah, oh yeah, I've got the Black Freighter Blu-ray right on my shelf. Like that's my only version that I purchased. Other than it was 2009 when it came out, so I was overseas, so I had to buy a bootleg copy from you know uh, a less than reputable source. But at least I got to watch the Watchmen. But you're right, and you look at the Watchmen comic and you look at the Watchmen movie, and they're they're fucking almost panel for panel sometimes right equal to each other in beauty and fucking storytelling it's great and then when man of steel came out everyone was like yeah fucking superman sucks this movie blows and then they announced ben affleck as batman it's like fuck this he's gonna suck Zack snyder's trying to ruin these fucking characters fuck him so no matter what he was gonna do next people fucking shat on him but because of him tired of toxic fans yeah but because you got him to direct Superman and start building this world with Christopher Nolan, you have Wonder Woman, you have Aquaman. Those were some fucking successes. Um, Margot Robbie has a name in Hollywood because she played Harley Quinn and Tanya Harding in the same year, so she played two crazy bitches at once. But, like, you look at it and, you know... He did wonders for that universe. In fact, more people should fucking sit there and say thanks, Zach. Like... You know, there's there's an interest in these characters like there never was. I mean, Jason Momoa was was big after, of course, Game of Thrones, but he's on a different fucking level now that he's Aquaman. Yeah, That's and true. and and fucking Zachary Levi did great as Shazam. So I I just think we, you know we got Shazam was fantastic. Yeah, what was I afraid of with Shazam? 
Um, you were wait, weren't you afraid that it was going to be like too tongue in cheek and it wasn't going to be too true to the comics? And no, then... I was I was afraid that it was going to flop. Oh yeah, and because people didn't get it, and the, all of the negative backlash that has been against DC, except for Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Yep. And I felt that Pet Cemetery was going to crush it. Now I was wrong that weekend because the weekend it opened, Shazam won the box office. Mm-hmm. Won the box office with about the same amount of money that, well, about thirty million it made. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 uh, Pet Cemetery made twenty something million, twenty seven million, which was no Pet Cemetery didn't. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. It became the second highest grossing Stephen King premiere of all time. Yep. And it was only made on a budget of $6 million, so there you go. We're going to get more Stephen King adaptations. As long and as... it's back to that thing we talked about before. Last year, Memorial Day weekend, $150 million got spent on fucking Solo. Yep. I mean, no. you, you have to have a good story, and you have to have a good <laughs> reason to leave your house anyway. Which is exactly what fucking Godzilla was. Like, Godzilla was a big big budget monster movie that threw a bunch of monsters on the screen. And it's funny because we talked about on the podcast last week, but we also talked about numerous times when the the trailers had been dropping. It's like, wow, there's a lot of kaiju in this movie. Like, 17 kaiju and not familiar ones. You don't get, like, the King Caesars or the Angoria... Or, you know, the, the Ultraman-looking robot thing in that one movie that we're going to ignore. Like, you got Rodan. You got Mothra, who was fucking beautifully done. Like whenever, Mothra was just my favorite. Yeah, like, Rodan was exactly what Rodan should have been. It was a giant fire pterodactyl. But yep. whenever Mothra was on the screen, I was just like, fuck, they did a good job. Like, holy shit, they made her look ethereal, and yet as close to a, what a moth would look like as long as it was a giant mutant. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? And then you had a woolly mammoth creature. And they call her Queen Mothra, too. Yep. So she's been, all her incarnations have been Godzilla's co-counterpart. Co- of the balance. Yep. And she is the counterpart in this, in this Titan verse, for lack of a better word. And, you know, her presence has been felt probably just as long as Godzilla's has. Because I'm assuming that Godzilla goes through cycles, you know, of being up and about. So there has to be a Mothra with him. There had to have obviously been previous challengers because of the cave art that we saw, you know, before the credits cut or, you know, really kicked in at the end of King of the Monsters where... You had Kvar of a Kong-like creature fighting a Godzilla-like creature, right? So they've already, you know, their their two species have already fought. It's already predestined, much like they did at the end of Kong Skull Island, where they showed Ghidorah and Godzilla squaring off in Kvar with a bunch of skulls. In this one, it looked more like stick figures were cheering them on. Like I know that sounds weird, but that's what I thought when I was looking at the Kvar. I'm like. There's no skulls, there's no fire, there's no lightning. It looks like their hands are up in the air and they're jumping stick figures. Like, yay, it's a monkey versus a giant fucking lizard. That's the way it looked to me anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. There was a big giant monkey jumping at a big giant lizard. <laughs> so, now, 
you mentioned how many throwbacks to other Godzilla movies there were in this, dude. Like, how did it make you feel watching this level? Like, this was Destroy All Monsters level amounts of kaiju. Like, how did you feel when you were I watching just, I was this? sad I didn't get Godzuki. Don't worry. It'll happen. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I'm like, wasn't there a Godzilla Jr. that talked to a little Asian kid in one of these movies? Like, when's that going to happen? Like, give me that shit. But, like, I sat there and I was I was five years old again watching, you know, Monster Creature Double Feature on fucking TV. Like, dude, I sat there and I was just like, I'm watching giant fucking monsters fight each other on a giant fucking screen. This is amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, again, Ghidorah, I loved how some of his actions and his movements were... Kind of shaky, kind of like the original Ghidorahs. Where where you could tell a head was on a string and they were just moving it like up and down the monofilament stick and it was all like shaky back and forth. Only this time it made it look like they were fighting at each other. So that might have explained it. But dude, I saw what you were talking about. Absolutely. Right. Fucking, I, I sat there and I was just like, it reminds me of the first Godzilla movie I saw which was Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And we talked about the first Godzilla movie you saw was the original. And I think you even said you saw yours in theaters. No. No. No, I did see Mechagodzilla in the theater. That's the one. But, do so when you think of all the years of being a Godzilla fan, does where does this movie stand up in as far as like the... You know, seventy plus years of Godzilla, or sixty-five, I should say. One of the best. Um, Shin Godzilla, though, is kind of tough to beat if you want to look at it from a purist point of view. Oh yeah. Um, I always, you know, I, I like where they're going with the legendary verse and how they're trying to make it like you know the quote-unquote kaiju kids movies. That Godzilla turned into back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, the King Kong versus Godzilla, you know, with the really bad King Kong, yes, um, and whatnot. That I grew up on on, on Saturday morning monster movie matinee, and that I saw, you know, at the Cinema North and and, and, and whatnot. But I've always looked at Godzilla as a force of nature, you know, as a force of, you know. Uh, Nature rising up against man because of what he's done. That's why the original 1954 Gajira appeals to me so much. And my first exposure to that, of course, was the American version with Raymond Burr in it. And I, my, my favorite thing I remember watching it, I was like, Dad, why is an iron sight in his wheelchair? <laughs> Fucking Perry Mason solving the case. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's funny because you and I have two different Raymond Burr memories, okay? Because you remember seeing him on TV in the original American release and Ironsides and seeing him in the 54 Godzilla that was released in America. And I remember on my VHS... um, It's the 58 Godzilla for me. It's funny... Because on the Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla VHS, they had the commercial, the trailer, for Godzilla 1984. 
with Raymond Burr in it. Yep. And at that turned, yeah. and at that time I had watched uh Saturday, you know, afternoon they always had Perry Mason or Matlock or Murder She Wrote on USA Network and I remember I it suddenly dawned on me that why is the dude from the Godzilla trailer a lawyer in this shit? Like in my head I'm like it didn't compute and then when I finally saw the original Godzilla movie I'm like oh it all makes sense now. Like all of this it's like to me that was my first memory of of Raymond Burr but dude you're absolutely right about the force of nature part and then eventually he became a superhero. I mean you can call him an anti-hero but he based he be, eventually worked with Shield and fought in Marvel Comics with Avengers. You know what I mean like he became a a comic book superhero and in the first Godzilla movie Godzilla you know 2014 they always alluded to like a natural disaster showing up like the tsunami or right. the, or the earthquakes quote unquote that caused the the Fujiami uh meltdown but Ghidorah in this one was literally a cat 5 hurricane wherever it went which yeah. which to me was wings yeah which to me was just going off of that whole like wherever these things go it's a it's a disaster waiting to happen yeah which Godzilla, the original, original was, you know, to talk about the uh, fallout from nuclear testing and the Hiroshima and Nagasaki atomic yep. bombs. Now, the, the visuals of Washington burning mm-hmm. uh, from the firestorm were just beautiful. Um, right up there with uh, Revenge of the uh, Sith. And Obi Wan and uh, Darth Vader's duel. Oh, yeah. Um, or the Klingon bull on uh, Game of Thrones, which I went back and watched that battle again, that mm. fight again. Yeah. God, it's so beautiful to watch. You know, it's it, it's funny that you know dragons have destroyed major cities in the last couple of weeks. There's been tons of those, um, but. One of the things that you were mentioning with the burning uh, and the destruction of Washington, D.C. in this movie is Godzilla opens up with the destroyed Tokyo and the smoldering remnants of it after Godzilla's main attack in the movie. And it was almost, once again, another throwback to that where you just see this one angle, this panning shot where, you know... And and same with uh, the Mexico scene with Ghidorah, you know, Ghidorah on the mountain. Everything is all fire. They're doing this kind of upward shot where you're seeing it next to a crucifix. Very, very reminiscent of what they did in the original Godzilla, where the first yep. opening scenes are a smoldering, burning city and casualties of of the monster. Mm-hmm. And it was once again like, holy shit, it's nice to see that. Uh, I just said you know, he's raising out of the water, and then you hear the the cello, mm-hmm. uh, the same cello they used to make the Godzilla noise. By the way, <laughs> and you know what's funny is is that like as soon as I heard the classic dun 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 dun, I was like, <gasps> they. You hear that? You know instantly where John Williams went when he got the music for Jaws. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he may have borrowed it liberally, but... There's an an influence and an homage there. Yeah, definitely an homage. 
because it's it's simplistic in its its work but yet it makes everything for that monster because when you hear dun 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 you know look for a shark and when you hear dun 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 it's like well this city's fucked yep yep absolutely i agree uh so as we wind this down um, we've got like two new podcasts we can bust out of this one because we've got to go back and look at the X-Men movies. Um, as a fan, you know, of Godzilla and just of kaiju movies in general, you've said you feel comfortable with where this is going. What characters do you want to see next? After, of course, we get Godzilla versus Kong. Like on your top three, like what are the next Godzilla bad guys that you want to see in these movies? Oh, that I want to see. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see Mega Ghidorah. Because <laughs> I think we're gonna get it. <laughs> I want. I want. I want to see. I want to see Godzuki. Absolutely. Yes. 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 The fucking smog monster. Oh, dude, you want to do this? Okay. You know, how would you want that done? Oh, well, obviously CGI is all fuck, but like. Yeah. How do you how do you justify in a storytelling way that this is a titan or is this just its own thing now? Well, it's its own thing. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go with, of course, Mecha Godzilla. See, we both have Mechas as our first one. Like I want Mecha Godzilla, but I I I suddenly am thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, I want Mecha Ghidorah more. Like I think that would be way fucking cooler. Um, I'm going to go with, if they can pull this off, and I mean, this is going to be the coup of coups. Um, imagine Gamera coming over. Oh yeah, Gamera. I forgot about Gamera. Dude, because I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, you have Warner Brothers can throw money at them and be like, let us borrow Gamera for two movies and we swear to God we won't make him look like shit. Like, we'll put him over strong, to put him in wrestling terms. Like, we'll make him look good if he goes against Godzilla. Like, we won't fucking shit on him. Just give us the fight that everyone has wanted to see. You know, fucking Japan's two most popular kaiju. Let them go. Just let them fight. Um, And the third one, I'm going to go with... uh, Shit. Um, Megalon. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Megalon. I think that he would be cool to pop up in one of these movies. I mean, you'd have to figure out. I mean, he kind of looked like a giant cockroach anyway. You could have him be Egyptian. One of those scarabs. Just a big version of a scarab. Okay. So that's that's kind of my top three. I think we could equally tell a lot of stories with that, so... All right, this has been another fucking awesome edition of Films of Fury. Dude, Tom, thanks for coming in and talking Godzilla with me. I love it, dude. Thank you for having me. Nah, anytime. And, of course, now we have to do the Dan and Tom shit on the X-Men Universe (laughs) podcast out of this one. (laughs) All right, I'll make an agreement. I will go see Dark Phoenix. That way I'm not shitting on a movie I haven't seen because, you know... It, I'm too old to go watch it because I don't get that time back in my life. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's such a dark, cynical way of looking at it. It's like, look, <laughs> look, I need to justify this because I am so close to death. 
you're like, eh, fuck it. I'm I'm with you on that one. I just don't want it to be as bad as X3. That's my only hope. But I think it's yeah. going to be. So where can we find you on the interweb, Tom? Oh, I'm Tommy Clark on Facebook, uh, Token Bottom Score Tom on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Instagram too, but I roleplay as my dog, Rocket, 6 the Necrocasticon over at Fractured Entertainment Network. And Necrocasticon drops everywhere you get your fine-ass podcasts every Monday because Monday is Necro Day. And I suddenly feel like I'm ripping off Mr. Scott's gimmick by saying that, but I don't care. So, <laughs> like, I'm going to sit here. He's going to hear this. He's going to be like, you just ripped me off. Fuck you, Dan. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm stealing your shit. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us tonight. You can find me, Sergeant Fury, on Instagram and Twitter at the Sergeant Fury, and you can also find this wherever you get your fine ass podcasts, and also find the Necrocasticon wherever you get your fine ass podcasts. This has been another great episode, Sergeant Fury out. All right, you ready for?